This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, this is Liz. And in this episode, Heather is actually out on assignment. So I have a special co-host with me today. This is Mandy from Caster Quest. Today, you're going to listen to us do something a little bit different and read a little bit of fan fiction. With sexy results. Absolutely. Let's hit that music. Uh, this is actually the very first episode of Nerdy Bitches Podcast where I have not been joined by Heather. Heather is actually out on assignment for at least this week, maybe the next week or two. She is out in convention land in California, having a great time and, uh, you know, really excited for her to get to do that. But in the meantime, we decided that we would bring in a guest co-host for a co- an episode, a couple of episodes maybe. And uh, if you listen to our show, you have heard her on our show, usually masturbating wolves or, uh, you know, doing other awesome things that are just hilarious. And uh, also I was on her show not too long ago. And so I'm going to let her introduce herself. Well, hey, Nerdy Bitches listeners, this is Mandy from Caster Quest. You might remember me from the Dungeons & Dragons episode, uh, where I play Basha the Tusky, and I have a handful of wolf genitals. (laughs) I really appreciate you bringing me on today. I know that I can't replace Heather, but there are things that I'm capable of doing that Heather is a little hesitant to dip her toe into. Absolutely. And that's kind of why you're here today, because I thought with Heather being gone, one, you're awesome and we love you and you're our, you know, we say you're a backup BFF, but you're, you're right in there with us. Like, yeah. you know, oh, by the way, Heather has, has mentioned, and you will have heard this in the, in the past episode before this one, um, you are allowed to love Mandy. You are allowed to think she is great, but... You have to love her just slightly less than Heather. Which is so, okay. And it was just and she's fine with that. So again, totally great to love Mandy. We still love Heather just a little bit more. It's okay. So it's it's all good. It's you all can good. love me for different reasons. You will love her for different reasons. So, uh, gang, what we have decided to do today, because Heather is a little bit hesitant to do these kind of things and well, what the fuck? I'll just jump right in. We are gonna actually read some fan fiction. Now, Mandy, your show caster quest Mm -hmm. is famous for its annual fourth of july fan fiction read that's correct um once a year because i just don't have the patience to do it more than that we do our fourth of july fan fiction extravaganza episode where we'll read a series of terrible fan fictions we'll drink before and after we're doing it well and during and uh, the whole point of it is, is you scour the internet for the most ridiculous, 
things that you can find. You read them out to each other and you try not to die while you're doing it. And it's always a really good time. And uh, I'm glad that I got the opportunity to to drag you along into it today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've talked about it with Heather in the past doing this and she's you know, she's she's a little bit more reserved. She likes, you know, she doesn't mind reading it. She just doesn't want to read it out loud. Sure. And that's okay. So uh, I don't care. So we're going to do this. Uh, this is my first time reading fan fiction out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not my first time reading fan fiction, though. I have sure. read a, a fair amount of it during years of, you know, separation and boredom and, you know, lack of going out and buying actual literature, you know, shit happens. I think lots of people have ran, read fan fiction. They might not necessarily want to admit to oh, yeah. have reading fan fiction. It, I mean, I've never written any fan fiction, so there's I, that. I may have written fan fiction, but it was when I was like 10, <laughs> 12, 13, and it wasn't called fan fiction back then. Like, I didn't know right. that fan fiction was a thing. It was just me writing pathetic Mary Sue type stories. Well, I, re- I remember very specifically there was a, a, like, again, we're nerdy, but, you know, there's nerdy and then there's like can't function in society nerdy, you know, that level kind of thing, which, you know, we invite you to still come out and be part of the nerd world. But we had, we, there was a guy that I went to school with who basically just wrote porny fan fiction with, like, the people that he knew in it. It wasn't really fan fiction. It was just stories, Friend I guess. fiction. Friend fiction, basically. But it, it got, like, l- dropped out of a notebook oh, or something. No. And unfortunately, basically passed around the entire oh, school. And I felt terrible, not only for him, but also for the friends who are, that were written about in this fashion as well. Well, here's a follow-up question. If somebody wrote erotic friend fiction about you... Mm-hmm. Would you want to know? Would you read no. it? Mm. I guess it depends on who wrote it and sure. how much I like them. Uh, if they were that guy who I was... Not necessarily on the best terms with? Well, that was, it wasn't that. I mean, I had nothing against him. He was a nice a nice human. I mm-hmm. went to school with him for 12 years. It's not like... It just wasn't going to be like my, my dream guy. You know what I mean? Like, if my dream guy is writing friend porn about me, then... Cool. I'll read that. That's that's pretty sweet. But if it's the one that you want to avoid, because that's the one that likes you, kind of, and not that it was, but yeah, I would probably not. Well, what I would not want is the whole school to read it. That would be uh, the yes. number one main draw issue there. Uh, so again, we are going to read some fan fiction today that we have found, and you'll hear my ice clinking, which normally you don't, because producer Craig would be screaming at us. But we are day drinking. Yes. Right now. Uh, What are we drinking? Well, the only time that uh, I'm allowed to drink on the show, well, it's my show, so I make the rule, but... I say you do what you want. Yeah. Uh, The only time that I find it personally acceptable is when you are reading fan fiction, because it gives you that little boost. Yeah, well, you need a little courage. Um, Like, our show, I think Heather drinks on most of them, Mm -hmm. but mostly because she's not... She's not a big public speaker sure. in general, so it makes her more relaxed and she does her thing. It's just a beer. It's not like she's, you know, toasted by the end, unless there are boozy-licious episodes, which 
we're all a little bit toasted. I don't really drink in general just because alcohol doesn't like me. Most of it yeah. doesn't. I like to take the edge off. Uh, well, it doesn't like me at all. I get the flush face <laughs> and I start to sweat almost immediately with, with most alcohols. Now, when we were at Comic Palooza, you and I had the opportunity to hang out kind of after hours. Mm-hmm. And you brought this lovely uh, it's a, spirit with you. It's a Jim Bean Vanilla. And I put it in my my Dr. Pepper because, yum, and it was delightful, and it didn't give me the flush face, so she brought it today. So I am drinking a version. I've got my Mr. Pib and the Jim Beam Vanilla, and you have some kind of cough syrup. What are you drinking? Uh, Well, I picked up this uh, sparkling raspberry water from Aldi's, and I mixed it with Jim Beam Vanilla, and I would not recommend it because it tastes like Benadryl. (laughs) But she's going to drink it anyways because alcohol. Yeah, you don't waste it. But when I'm done, I'm probably switching over to Mr. Pib. So I think it's time we get... We get started. Now, Mandy and I have each done a little searching through the bowels of uh, the deepest, darkest the parts of the internet. Deepest, horrible places in the world. Uh, uh, which is usually, net, which yeah. is a good place to find it, and it's not that horrible. Fanfiction.net is where I did most of my research. While we say, oh, these are terrible fanfictions, blah, blah, blah. It's terrible in a relative way because it's terrible to have to look your friend in the <laughs> eye and say it out loud. But please... Uh, we're understand. not judging yeah. any of the writers who have done this, this at is, all. We are not We are we're not, not fandom shaming you. No. We are not writing shaming you. And we are so grateful that you put pen to paper or you put your little fingers on those uh, on that keyboard and you and you put something out into the world. Okay. It is it is wonderful no matter what you do, the fact that you you invested in that creative process and don't ever let anybody tell you differently. Absolutely. And let me give just a little Quick trigger warning here. We are going to be talking some erotic fan fiction. So if you're nervous about that, maybe skip ahead a little bit. Uh, We will also be talking about um, some issues with addiction uh, and some just, in general, disturbing mental images overall. Yeah. So that's your little trigger warning. So just be careful. You know, if if something triggers you, fast forward, move on to the next episode. We've already got your download. I'm good. Do you want to travel to Flavortown? I do want to go to Flavortown so bad. And then I never want to think about Flavortown again. <laughs> <laughs> this next fiction is called Frosted Tips by Lana in Macondo. That was the name of the blog, I think, that it was posted on. So that's you can just search for that. We'll include the link in the show notes. Ted Cruz walked in a genuinely human manner, as he had so often been instructed by his campaign manager through Times Square. But what did it even matter anymore to keep up this facade? As he passed through the heaving flanks of Midwestern tourists, he let himself show the disdain he had felt all along for their fleshy undulation. There was no hint of approbation or recognition in their squinting piggy eyes. He let one corner of his flesh mouth curl into a sneer. There was only one solution. Abandoned among the flesh pigs, he would outhuman them all. He'd show them. He'd wallow among them and drown his sorrows in so many pina colada royales. Or maybe South Beach mojitos. Maybe a caliente margarita or seven. Gosh darn it, it was time. Time to taste the pleasures of Flavortown. 
Guy Fieri was, as usual, standing in front of the mirror he'd tricked out with flame decals, admiring his forehead oils. Poised between the <laughs> poised between the licks of flames, he truly looked like a creature from hell. This was his design. This was the expression of his will, as fixed and immutable as the switches of his pale, greased, spike crown of hair. He licked his finger and tasted nothing. He heard the slapping din of his empire in the dining room behind him. They had all come to him, the masses, to worship at the altar from which all of his donkey sauce flowed. <laughs> he was alone in his horrifying flesh prison, but he was their king, and they were all going down with him, clutching dragon chili cheese fries in their hammy fists. <laughs> Suddenly, a revelation, a shock, something altogether new, but somehow familiar. A hot pulse thrummed through his doughy animal frame and into the place where he thought there could be nothing, where there never had been feeling, where only the heavy weight of his continued existence, his perpetual and cursed need to summon buffalo blue sobbed minions to his side hung like a milestone. It electrified him. The twang of a sudden sense of, could it be, recognition of a familiar? He slipped his mirrored sunglasses out of the pocket of his Hawaiian shirt, flipped up the lapels of his red leather vest, and strode out. That's not how humans dress. His testicles, as pendulous and wrinkled as his sour cream-laden triple-loaded baked potatoes. <laughs> He didn't know what was on the other side of those double doors, but he was ready. Anything was lighter, he mused, than the continually surprising weight of pure emptiness. God, he's fucking angsty. My God. <laughs> Something extraordinary was happening to Ted Cruz. As his finger traveled down the sticky, laminated length of Fieri's chaos theory of a menu, he felt something... Stirring in his loins. The loins he thought long dead. A longing. A yearning. But then, something more. And something far more extraordinary. A longing and a yearning in his heart. This was more than just a longing for the bacon-wrapped barbecued shrimp. A longing which, in and of itself, surprised him. Normally, the only human food he could bear was cold Campbell's chunky soup in bulk. <laughs> what was happening to him? What was this feeling? And then he looked up, and the scent glands that lined his pendulous neck flap to attention as they never had before. Hi, I'm Guy Fieri he said, rolling the consonant sensually and not at all obnoxiously <laughs> over his wet, narrow sea worm of a tongue. Welcome to Flavortown, my man. Cruz licked his thin, disquieting lips, attempting to dislodge the white ooze that had congealed there in his panic. <laughs> Little did he know that was not the only white ooze he would be dislodging on this fateful night. <laughs> Well, hi, Mr. Fieri. 
or can I call you Gad? <laughs> he said, emitting a subsonic hum that meant far more than his words ever could. It was all they needed to say, and more. <laughs> you get the yeah. They knew it had to happen in the dumpster, amidst the ruins Fieri had created. Amidst the soft filth beds of over-salted linguine, the dried rivers of donkey and blue sobby sauce covering their thrusting bodies like the fluid of the womb. The fuck? I and can't believe it's not butter. Is <laughs> <laughs> donkey sauce. And thrust they did, their quivering flesh truly a sight of horrors that would melt the face of any onlooker with a pasty glare. Cruz, his face a mess of Fieri's donkey love sauce. Oh. <laughs> if we could call such a primal horror show gush an act of love, <laughs> as he slammed his throbbing American flagpole, his horrible, horrible, horrible <laughs> throbbing American flagpole against Fieri's prone and rippling flanks, they both screamed, Shuddering and twitching in unison. <laughs> this is what, what we, we deserve. deserve. They omitted from their mouth holes. We, we have truly looked, looked into the, the abyss and looked back at ourselves. ourselves. Then after a moment of sopping, <coughs> squelching grunts, they knew the moment had come. There was no turning back now. We, we are the kings of Flavor Town. They screamed in simultaneous orgasm. The end had begun. <laughs> I'm just thinking of Paul in the other room. <laughs> As he hears us yelling that we're the kings of flavor. <laughs> yeah. That was hilariously awful. <laughs> I will never look at either one of them the same way again. Oh, that's okay. Not I that I looked at either one of them with anything but slight disdain before. So. We all knew they weren't real humans. I know. Do you get a kind of men in black bug suit situation going on there? Mm. Like the, the Egger suit? Yeah. I fear he can't be real. Yeah. I thought he was a myth. <laughs> so, that was fun. What are we reading next? Won't you take me to Flavor Town? Flavor Town. <laughs> Flavor Town. All right, so this is another one that we found on fanfiction.net. It's called Famous Last Words by Madame. Alexandra. This is going to be uh, from the Star Wars universe. Like Star I said, Wars. we're we're making the rounds of the nerddoms. All over. He had no interest in it. He really hadn't thought about it. Honest to gods and Jedi and Sith and everything else, he didn't give a damn about her. He wanted 40,000 credits and a goddamn day off. Other than suggesting an interest in her, just to piss off the kid, he hadn't glanced twice at the short, screamy slip of a thing they'd whisked off the Death Star. Barely even realized it was the same girl when she gave him a medal. Kind of cute. But he didn't spend a lot of energy going after cute. He didn't have to. There was plenty of drop-dead gorgeous gunning for Han Solo. Which is weird because at that point in the movies, there's literally only one woman in the entire universe. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm glad they added more. Yeah. The the off-camera billions of women going for Han Solo. Lots of lots of panty dropping for Han Solo. 
Yeah, he wasn't interested. Not until she said that. And then... He'd bummed around the base after the battle, shooting the shit, offering insights on how and where they should move, without giving an inkling that he cared. And meanwhile, she'd dropped off the earth, disappeared. He figured they'd put her in hiding. Then he saw her walking down one of the corridors one day, neatly dressed, hair done very simply, braids, and she had a data pad and a don't look at me, don't talk to me march to her step. And he stopped, cocking his head because that was the princess, all right. The same screamy one, looking like a soldier and looking like she had things she had to say. Warrior-like as she looked, her face was too sweet, too young, and Han stopped, leaning against a wall. All he wanted was to speak to her when she was off her pedestal and out of her cell to get a feel for her, because she was kind of fascinating when he thought about it. Nineteen, and a veteran and all, and the only woman to face down Darth Vader and tell the tale. He figured he'd see what she was like, hear her voice in a civilized setting, when she was a human and not a fighter, or focused on commanding a battle, or a pretty thing set up as a rebel angel at a ceremony. He lifted his chin, the way Han Solo did, and flashed a smirk at her. The way Han Solo did. Mm. Flashed a smirk at her, searching for one of his charming one-liners. Before he could get it out, before he even said a damn word, She stopped cold in her steps, looked at him appraisingly, and gave a short, curt shake of her head. She looked at him like she read his soul and all his intentions, and they were little stanzas of child's poetry scribbled in wax crayon. I am never going to fuck you, she said. That was it. That was all she said. I am never going to fuck you. Not, I shall never surrender my virtue. Or, how dare you leer at me like a common rapscallion. Or, or any of the well-bred, prim things he'd have expected. Not even, don't try it, Solo. Which is what he usually got at cantinas where he was well known. She walked right past him while he was still gaping. And he turned nearly breaking his neck to watch her walk away, an incredulous look on his face. She just assumed he... What kind of blue blood nerd? That's the thing. He hadn't really thought about her like that. Not until she threw up such an obvious challenge to his manhood (coughs) and his decency (laughs) and his self-respect and whatever else he still had rolling around in his pockets... He blinked, shell-shocked, and had the fumbling good sense to turn on his heel and lazily call after her. Famous last words, sweetheart. It was an encounter he remembered vividly well, one night on the way to Bespin, when the cool air was broken and they'd run out of things to do besides each other. He thought about it while he bent Leia over the Dindrak table and pulled her hair back from her ear to whisper, Famous last words, sweetheart. Leia groaned, ego wounded, 
always a sore loser in the cat and mouse game. She tossed her head back, gripping the edge of the table. Harder, she mumbled, then cast a side look at him over her shoulder. And you're fucking me. And scenes. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Good times. Princess. Princess. I like the attitude. Yeah, that... It's like, um... I'm still not fucking you. Yeah, a lot of times it's hard to find fan fictions that's still in uh, in character. I think that, yeah, I think that was a fairly, I'm pretty sure that's how Ben Solo was conceived. Right there on that weird oh. table with the weird hologram monsters. So, Oh, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's got so many fucking issues right there. Which one do you want to read next? Oh, well, you pick one. Okay. I have a couple that she she doesn't know about yet. So, are you feeling are you feeling Harry Pottery? Mm. Or are you feeling ah? Uh, are you feeling a little Stephen Kingy? Hmm. Twilight. Hmm. Let's go Harry Potter. Okay. For our next. A chance to ruin somebody's day. <laughs> Somebody's like, no, not my Harry Potter. Now, by the way, there is a podcast out there that I know Heather has listened to uh, quite erotica. a bit. Harry Potter erotica. Harry Potter erotica, whatever it's called. So, yeah, check that shit out. because uh, Our next fan fiction is called Roadkill. It's by Piper Julian. And you can find it on fanfiction.net. Uh, this takes place around book five, not book six and seven, so just so you know. Sure. Okay. Canonically, I suppose. It came to be one bizarre and oddly humorous event to end the war. Frankly, Harry wasn't even all that sure if Luna could have predicted this one coming. Young Mr. Potter had been relatively sure that it would all end in a heroic battle in a location that was no doubt magical and would serve to make the whole scene far more dramatic. Like in front of the Forbidden Forest, for example. <laughs> he hadn't exactly expected the war to end at the front of his driveway. Harry had been tending to the bushes in his aunt's front garden before <laughs> it happened. Normally, his wand was in his back pocket. Not really for protection, though, just for the amusement of seeing the neighbors question the Dursleys as to why their nephew carried a stick with him. Anyway, with his wand at the ready, Harry was basically prepared for the worst to happen. Well, the worst minus Ramil Devane, at any rate. Was she part harpy? See, that thing is that didn't happen until books mm, six and yeah, seven. Breaking your own rules. Breaking the rules. Breaking the rules. Between reading a book about how to attract gnomes to your garden and shaping petunias, rose bushes into small ogres, Harry was rather busy. The <laughs> Dursleys had ordered food in and him out. But with it being summer, he still had some daylight left. With a growling stomach, he waited to be invited back in. Unfortunately for the hungry half-blood, that's when the sky mysteriously darkened and something began to rapidly descend from the skies. Harry, far too used to all this nonsense, sighed and looked at the skies, ready for anything from Santa Claus to a futuristic version of himself claiming that Draco Malfoy was, in fact, his soulmate. <laughs> Naturally, it happened to be Voldemort. 
two or three times a week, who had somehow managed to learn how to fly. He must have still been angry about the fact that he was terrible at Quidditch when he was in school. Thus, he spent more time concentrating on learning how to fly than helping to create a spell to locate the brains of several prominent Death Eaters. <laughs> Perhaps Voldemort had tried to steal Peter Pan's secret for immortality and just ended up with a whole lot of fairy dust in his face. It gets better, I promise. <laughs> anyway, the old bugger was flying from the sky and cackling while he did it. He hoped he choked on a cloud on the way down. Harry Potter! Voldemort hissed as he finally landed in the middle of the road. Are you slurring your R's in my name, or you just have a lisp? Harry asked. How dare you? Voldemort said. Guess not. You managed that one just fine. <laughs> I don't have a really good English. Okay. Harry was in the middle of wondering where all the supposedly nosy neighbors were when Voldemort growled at him. You've got it all wrong, Voldy. You're supposed to hiss like a snake. Growling is for lions, for Gryffindors. Silence, Voldemort said. Draw your wand, Potter. There's no one to save you now. It's time to meet your end. <coughs> Harry sighed. At this rate, he wouldn't finish the gardening. Do you like that he's making her garden into gnomes or like goblins or some shit? Ogres. Tim, where's your sense of timing? You're supposed to be predictably attacking at the end of the school year for two years and then skip the third. Meaning you can't attack till the end of the seventh year, Harry said. Tim, it's Tom, you fool. Try to remember my muggle name if you're going to insult me with it. And what do you mean my attacks are predictable? <laughs> well, Harry began, you attacked me in some way in my first and second year, skipped the third year, and then attacked again my fourth and fifth year. If you keep up with that pattern, you'll get your Death Eaters to attack at the end of this year like you did with my third... Uh, uh, you know, you're spying on me, aren't you? That's how you know I'm planning to raid Hogwarts, Voldemort said. Harry rolled his eyes. Aren't we supposed to be dueling by now? <laughs> Voldemort drew his wand. Mummy and Daddy are waiting for you, Potty. Harry gasped. <gasps> You're stealing Draco Malfoy's insults. <laughs> really? Draw your wand already! Harry lazily got his wand out of his pocket and flicked it sharply at Voldemort after thinking, I wish half this bloody nonsense would happen to Neville or someone else. Why is it always me? Seriously, Tim, go away. Voldemort was beginning to cast a spell when it happened. There was a blur, and suddenly the night bus was standing where Voldemort used to be. Night bus service for any stranded witch or wizard. I'm Stan Shunpike, and I'll be a... Blimey, it's Harry Potter, Stan said. It was Stan's first day as the driver of the bus. The regular driver was off sick, so there was a slight change in who was doing what on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Harry looked under the bus. The sight was unbelievable. Voldemort was crushed under the front wheels. C Congratulations, Harry said a little shocked. Baden? You just defeated Voldemort. <laughs> what? As it turned out, the thought and wand action made by Harry was the requirement to summon the night bus. Voldemort, being the incompetent person that he was, neglected to realize that he was standing in the middle of the road. 
Stan Shunpike became an instant hero, and Harry could finally enjoy his final two years at school as a normal kid. <laughs> Although he got a lot of credit for defeating Voldemort as well, since he was the one who summoned the bus. Albus still found it hard to believe that it was a bus, and not love. That was the power of Voldemort, <laughs> <or> not. <laughs> the power of bus compels you. With no nagging mummy at his tail... No one had bothered to tell little Tommy to look both ways before crossing the street. (laughs) The ministry got a kick out of the idea and decided that instead of using the Dementor's kiss, they'd line up all of the people they were going to execute and run them down with a night bus. Stan, thankful that Harry had gotten him so much glory, would later agree to let Harry borrow the bus for a day. Harry, Ron, and the twins would return later, apologizing for running the bus to my mansion repeatedly. (laughs) Around the same time that the bus mania began, and shortly after the, the defeat of Voldemort, the muggle song, The Wheels on the Bus Go Round and Round, rose to number one on the top 100 list of wizarding songs. The brooms in Quidditch would later be replaced with flying buses, making the game far more interesting to watch. After all, watching a bus try to catch the snitch is pretty comical. Oh, and remember that golden statue in the Ministry of Magic? Well, due to Stan and Harry's rising popularity, they knocked down the old one and replaced it with a golden version of them chasing after Voldemort on a bus. Naturally, some purebloods were infuriated by the excessive use of something so muggle-looking. But no, re- no one really likes that sort anyway, so let's just ignore them. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you should never leave Stan Shumpike in charge of anything, including <laughs> driving a bus. <laughs> the end. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> His stomach hurts. <laughs> pretty good one. That was pretty good. I like it. I found that one this morning. Mm. I'd like for you to know Mandy is currently drinking straight from the whiskey bottle. Straight from the bottle. Mm-hmm. I have to go to work tonight. <laughs> well, nothing says paint like alcohol. That's true. It is a paint and drink <laughs> place. I was just... <coughs> just getting a head start. Getting a head start. Mm. All right. Well, that was entertaining. Why don't we take a quick break? And I'm going to throw in a uh, promo for one of our awesome shows, probably yours. Yeah. And uh, we'll be right back. Bye. Hello, Questers. This is Mandy, the host of Caster Quest, inviting you to enjoy our podcast where we explore the rich and vibrant world of Patrick Rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle, soon to be adapted as a major motion picture and television show produced by the award-winning creator of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hungry for more content? Perhaps you will enjoy our recaps of HBO's Game of Thrones, Over the Garden Wall, animated Batman films, or our world-famous erotic fanfiction reads. Whatever you're in the mood for, if you love a good story, humor, impromptu parody songs, and thousands of pop culture references, you'll enjoy our show. You can find Cast Request on SoundCloud, iTunes, and of course, our amazing network, the Earth Station One Network at ESOPodcast.com. And we're back. So thank you for listening to our promo for 
Mandy and her awesome podcast. That's totally what you just listened to. It's not all fan fiction. We actually do book clubs. Yes. She's very, again, she says she does the fan fiction once a year. Because, again, it is a bit of a slog to try Mm -hmm. to get through all this awesomeness. But if you want more fan fiction, come check out Caster Quest on the 4th of July. Absolutely. You may hear me there. Who knows? So... All right, so uh, moving on to our next. Now, I know we already did one Star Wars, but I did find this other one that was enticing enough for me to want to. (laughs) This one's a fun one. To make you read with me. (laughs) So, again, I found this one on fanfiction.net. It is called You Can't Do That With The Force, and it is written by Dark Poltergeist. So go find this one. So just a... Uh, a, a pre-note here. Leia has been practicing the Force lessons that Luke has taught her, but she has added her own variation for Han. Han and Leia entered the Grand Alliance party as celebrities, the last princess of Alderaan, and General Han Solo, both heroes of the Alliance and instrumental in defeating the Empire. Leia was dressed in a sparkling white gown that clung to her curves, thin straps keeping the gown in place, A long slit up the left side, running all the way to mid-thigh. Han was attired in his formal military dress uniform, pants tailored neatly to show off his muscular legs and backside, while the dark jacket displayed his broad shoulders and chest to perfection. (laughs) Leia looked at Han, pleased with the way his uniform fit, as she had it tailored specifically for him. For his comfort and to her wishes. She knew how to have clothes fit a person well. And with Han's marvelous physique, she enjoyed having it on display to others because she knew she was the one that got to take him home at the end of the night. She always got to sleep with Han Solo. Her arm was linked in his and she felt his tension because he hated these parties, but he did them for her. And she always made sure he was suitably rewarded for his efforts. She squeezed his bicep and he turned to smile at her. Yo, me princess, he said quietly, only for her to hear. I know, fly boy. I'll settle up later. She gave him a stern look. Promise to be good? I'm always good, he smirked at her. This is important, Han. Be on your best behavior. Or what? You'll... Punish me? (laughs) He raised an eyebrow in amused speculation. You wish. I most certainly do. I like being punished by a princess. Well, I know when you get bored, you start trouble. She stopped and placed herself directly in front of him and grabbed his chin with her fingers. And don't do it. I mean it. I mean it, hon. (laughs) So what do I do when I get bored? I don't know. Amuse yourself. His eyes danced with mischief. Without getting into trouble. That's a tall order, your worship. You can do it. I have faith in you. She leaned forward to give him a sweet kiss, but he pulled her in for a deeper, lingering kiss. Han, she hissed. But he saw the smile in her eyes. Stop it. We're in public. That doesn't usually bother you, he reminded her. I mean, the last time we were at a party, you did that new thing. Leia flushed down to her collar. 
Only after you provoked me by teasing me all night. All's fair in love and war, he whispered into her ear. Or so I've heard. Remember that, dear, she whispered back, and with a saucy smile, took his arm again as they stepped up to the receiving line for the grand reception. Sometime after dinner, after a great deal of mingling and socializing, Han and Leia managed to find a few minutes for themselves. They executed a well-planned drift into a dark, quiet alcove and out of the way of curious eyes. They fell into each other's arms for an affectionate hug. Long night, Han murmured against her neck. Definitely time for a break, she said and stretched against him. Turn around, oh, Han instructed. Han. Just do it. Leia did and sighed in relief as he began to massage her shoulders. That feels heavenly. Heavenly, hmm? I have something even better in mind, he whispered. But she paid little attention to his words, concentrating instead on the feel of his hands, on the way he was able to work the knots out of her muscles. He was so good at it that when she closed her eyes and leaned into him, she soon forgot where she was and allowed herself to think only of him and how good she was feeling. She almost squeaked when Hans suddenly turned her around to face him. His eyes sparkled with mischief just before she felt his warm hand push up the slitted side of her gown. Han, she warned, but he paid no heed, and that troublesome hand was now inside her panties. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your worship, he, gr he grinned at her. You need to stop. We're at a party, an important party. Your lips say that, but your body's telling me something completely different, he breathed into her ear as his fingers began an intimate <laughs> massage. Hon! <laughs> she tried to be stern, but it was difficult when he was pushing all of her buttons in such a masterful way. I'm bored, Leia. You told me to amuse myself. But when she began to softly moan, Han covered her mouth with a kiss and shielded her body with his own as an inebriated partygoer wandered past them in the background. <laughs> Come on, princess. No, no, no. <laughs> Look me to the face when you say me. Okay. Oh, mm. <laughs> Come on, princess. Come for me. <laughs> Why did I wear mascara? I didn't. The deep tone of his bedroom voice filled her ears, and his fingers stroked her inner corridor perfection. <laughs> She's not an apple. <laughs> oh god, no. <laughs> Skip to the next one. Okay. Uh, that was it. She shuddered around him and buried her face against his neck and he chuckled in her ear. That's my girl. Feel better, princess? 
a little less stressed, maybe. She waited for her body to stop shaking. Han put her clothing back in the proper place where it belonged. Then she <laughs> stepped back and smiled at her, pushing the stray locks of hair away from her face. You shouldn't have done that. We're in a room full of people. No one bothered us. I had someone in place to keep them away. And it was dark enough that no one would know who we were. Just another couple making out in the dark. It was a dirty trick. Space making it. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't complaining a few minutes ago. Leia crossed her arms in front of her. It was uncalled for and childish. And you enjoyed every minute of it. It doesn't matter. It was irresponsible. Really? Han's eyebrows shot towards hairline. Really? Now, if you excuse me, I'm going to wash up as I have more mingling to do. Ew. <laughs> and everything's moist down there. <laughs> right. Han waved his hand in the direction of the party. Mingle away, he smirked. I'm going to go wash my hands <laughs> and make my way over to the bar. I'll be there if that you need me. Seem like a Han thing to do, though. No. Like, like Han would just go around shaking everybody's hand after <laughs> Totally. We totally Han would. Solo, nice to meet you. <laughs> Savior of the galaxy. Hi. Uh, do I smell a little princess on you? <laughs> it's musky. <laughs> Leia watched him walk away with calculating eyes. All is fair in love and war, he had said earlier in the evening. Soon she would turn the tables on him. Luke watched as Han reappeared in the grand ballroom and waved him over to the bar. Han smiled and fell into place alongside Luke. Does this smell like your sister? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember this? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he nodded to the bartender and ordered a round of whiskey for him. Space whiskey Space for whiskey. him and the kid. Thanks, kid. I shouldn't have done it. If Leia finds out, she'll be mad. She won't be mad. Besides, what did you do? Just made sure no one bothered us while we took a few moments to ourselves. Those moments felt like more than a back rub. <laughs> Luke frowned at Han. How would you know? I frowned crossed Han's features. Oh, that force thing you two have. Luke nodded and shifted uneasily. Yeah, that. And I have to tell you, I'm really uncomfortable when Leia forgets to shield. <laughs> Hans smirked and threw back his whiskey. Space whiskey. Space whiskey. She didn't know you were my wingman. She had no reason to shield. What did you do? Luke. What did you do to my sister? Luke, do you really want to know what I do with your sister? Let's just say that I... I relieved her stress. She wasn't expecting it, but she wasn't unwilling. Han grinned and ordered another round. Luke frowned. Hey, go easy on your drinking. Leia will be pissed <laughs> if you go home drunk. I won't be drunk. I'm trying to prepare myself for what's coming, Han growled. His eyes scanned the room until he saw Leia, who turned and raised her glass in his direction. He sipped his space whiskey and sighed. Are things good? Between you two, I mean, I haven't had a chance to talk to her yet. They're good, really. Han leaned back against the bar. Especially interesting since you've been teaching her some force tricks. I don't teach her force tricks. I teach her about the force and how to use it, Luke declared indignantly. Yeah, well, whatever. 
In any case, you'll be happy to know she's a good student. And Luke, I mean a damn good student. Han smirked. Luke puffed up with pride. Really? What's she been learning? Near as I can tell, she's practicing everything you taught her. But some things more than others. Like what? It seems she has a real bent for that telekinesis thing that you do. You know, moving objects, touching people through the force. Luke's brow furrowed. I'm not sure I understand. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking barn boy. (coughs) Han gave him a funny look and chuckled. And I hope you never do. It'd be too weird. Much worse than that kiss she gave you on Hoth. Luke flushed with embarrassment. I didn't know she was my sister then, he muttered. His mind raced on. What could Leia be doing exactly that would embarrass him as a brother? He hadn't taught her anything but basics in the area that Han was talking about, but he mentally conceded. She seemed exceptional at anything she set her mind to. He supposed that the Force shouldn't be an exception. But Han, what does she do? I can't tell you, kid. Trust me on that one. Han continued to track Leia across the room. When it appeared that she was involved in serious mingling and not paying any attention to him, he turned back to the bar and let out a visible sigh. Mm, Maybe tonight won't be a problem, he muttered in relief. I don't have a clue as to what you're talking about, Luke complained. That's a good thing. Better you don't know. But this has to do with the Force and how she uses it? Oh, yeah. He looked across the room and saw Leia was watching him. A smug look on her face. Han groaned as he felt the softest of touches in the most intimate area. Son of a bitch, he cursed under his breath and raised his glass in toast to Leia, who watched him from across the room. Han? You don't want to know. Han shifted uncomfortably, feeling the light fingers running over his chest and down his abdomen. Your sister. She plays dirty, he growled, his voice somewhere between frustration and admiration. Luke just didn't get it. He looked across (laughs) the room at Leia and could feel that she was doing something subtle, finessed with the force and using it against Han, but Han seemed like he was in a trance or something. With a last shake of his head at Leia, Han groaned and abruptly turned back to the bar, presenting his back to the rest of the ballroom. Han, are you okay? Han shook his head and finished his drink, quickly holding his hand up to order another. She's torturing me with that thing she does. What thing? Very slowly, Han turned to face towards Luke, and Luke saw Han's jaw was clenched tightly. He looked like he was in pain and under impressive self-control. Why don't you go ask Leia, he muttered in a gravelly voice and then slumped over the bar, trying to control his breathing. God, Han, what's she doing to you? Luke whispered, concerned for his friend, moved away to seek out his sister. He found her two minutes later chatting calmly to some constituents as she gently wiped her hand against her gown. Luke? She stopped her action to throw her arms around her brother. Did you just get back? We've missed you so. Thanks, Leia. Do you mind if I steal her for a few minutes? 
Luke asked the couple she was talking to. They said their goodbyes and left Luke and Leia alone. Luke, what is it? Leia, what are you doing to Han? Leia's expression was one of surprise, and as she thought about what Luke was asking, she glanced over at Han, who was slouched over the bar, and she laughed. She gave her brother a self-indulgent smile. (laughs) Nothing that should concern you. But he's... he's in pain! Pain? She looked across the room at Han and met his gaze. He shook his head, no. With a smile, she began quietly running her hands across her dress in a repetitive motion. What are you doing? Luke, this is a private matter between Han and I. She patted Luke's cheek. Look at him, Leia. He's almost doubled over. How could you hurt him? I'm not hurting him. He may be in a bit of agony, but actually he's enjoying it. You can't use the force to hurt him. Luke sounded almost mad. I'd never do that. Why would you say such a thing? Luke noticed that Leia's hand closed oddly. Her thumb meeting her forefinger triggered a circle when she was moving up and down. (laughs) (laughs) Now looking directly at Han. Leia, Luke whined, you need to stop. No, I need to get back at him for earlier, she said breezily, wide smile on her face. Don't worry, he expects it. Luke just couldn't put quite put it together. He saw that Han was watching Leia with a look of longing. He had removed his jacket and had it over his arm, which he held in front of him. Why would he do that? His expression was somewhere between ecstasy and agony. Leia, Han mouth and pleading. Leia laughed and stopped her hand motion. She gave Luke her most innocent look and smiled. What do you think? Should I finish him off like this or relieve his problem in person? You don't talk to your brother about that (laughs) stuff. uh -uh, uh -uh. The parts of the puzzle came together in an astounding way that almost swept Luke off of his poor, stupid feet. (laughs) The force bond between Han and Leia was filled with love but colored with arousal. And an overwhelming desire to be intimate in an array of sexual ways <laughs> that had never occurred to Luke. He felt the motion that Leia was making through the force, and his eyes widened as even the peripheral intensity of it caused him to be react. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. His mouth dropped open and he backed away from his sister, his face an expression of shock. Leia! You can't do that with the force! Oh, Luke, of course I can. I'm quite good at it. Just ask Han. Leia put his hands over his ears and shook his head. I can't hear you! <laughs> I don't want to hear you! La 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 In la fact, la. I think I need to wash my brain out. I got images, Leia! <laughs> images! Leia laughed and blushed. Sorry, brother. I didn't mean to share those with you. It's amazing the finesse you've managed to achieve. I mean, the technique. Luke stopped mid-sentence, realized what he was really talking about, and Leia now blushed profusely. And on that note, I think we've ended this conversation. Call me tomorrow after we've both gotten past this. During the end of their conversation, jaw still clenched, Han walked up to them. Luke nodded at him and left. What's with the kid? Han ground out. You don't want to know. But I'll tell you later if you insist.
He stepped close and pulled her against him so she could feel how hard he was. (laughs) Your fault, your worship. And you expect me to do something about it? Han gently pushed against her and bent his lip to kiss her neck. You should. <laughs> he did. He bent his lips towards her neck. <laughs> you should. You got me all worked up. <laughs> he leaned back and looked at her full in the face. But you do that just by being in my life. Oh, hot shot, sweet talk. Words of love, your worship. Can we take this somewhere? That's an excerpt, because it does keep going. It just keeps going, and it gets pretty smutty. So if you're pretty interested in the smut part, which we don't feel like reading to each other, uh, go find that one, (laughs) because... Stupid Luke, it cracks me up, though. Oh, my God. (laughs) What is happening? What are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? Do you want a chance to support the show? Want to get some awesome rewards and nerdy bitches swag? Then head on over to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches. From not your basic bitch to rock star bitch, we have a monthly donation plan to fit any budget. Your support allows us to really up our game and make sure the show stays awesome without bowing to corporate sponsorship. In addition to providing prizes, giveaways, and convention coverage, we'll also donate 20% of all net profits each month directly to other independent podcasts. This allows us to help grow other indie shows that we believe in. So hit us up at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches and support your favorite bitches today. Okay, so this one is called Don't Worry Frodo, We'll Get the Chance, written by Twisted Angel 08. And uh, this is actually a two-chapter story, but we are just going to read the second chapter. It's an excerpt. Yes, it's an excerpt. The first chapter is called An Armful of Frodo. This chapter is called A Mouthful of Frodo. Which is the one I prefer. Well, you know. So, chapter two, A Mouthful of Frodo. They did it. The ring was finally destroyed. The adventure was over. The hobbits could go home. Everyone in the Shire gathered for a huge party to celebrate their heroes. Merry and Pippin regaled the children with tales of their journey. And Frodo and Sam? Well, as soon as it was socially polite to do so, they left the party, hurrying to get to Bag End, or more specifically, the bedroom of Bag End. When they got to the door, they just could not wait. Frodo pushed Sam against the door and kissed him passionately. But of them forgetting all about trying to fumble with the lock in the sudden drunken state. (laughs) Sometimes you're reading other people's work, so. Frodo giggled as Sam's tongue tickled the roof of his mouth. Because when I'm French kissing someone, I I want them to lick the roof of my mouth. That's not how it works. It gets me so hot. (laughs) Uh, Then pulled away. With a wink, he sauntered off, heading to the back door that was always left unlocked. Sam watched Frodo walk off for a moment and then hurried after. They got in the house, but it took forever for them to get to the bedroom because they stopped every few feet to make out. Finally, though, they reached their destination. With a smirk, Frodo pushed Sam onto the bed, waggling his eyebrows. (laughs) Sam laughed. And for a moment, they just smiled at each other. 
Then, with a sultry shake of his hips, Frodo slowly began to undress, removing each item of clothing one at a time. Everything he took off, he folded. Oh my gosh. Carefully placing everything in a neat little pile. Is this really the time, Frodo? <laughs> Apparently. Heather, by the way, wish you is were important. here. We do wish you were here, even if it's just sitting. I think she'd be on a floor, like, totally in an embarrassed puddle of, you know, we whatever. We this fan fiction to tell you, Heather, you should have been here. Should have been here. Oh, Mr. Frodo, you're killing me. <laughs> Sam complained. Can't you go a bit faster? <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> Can you go a bit faster? When Frodo was down to his tight pants, because everybody knows Hobbit fashion is tight, tight pants. pants, he turned around to bend over and pick up the pile of clothes. Sam's <laughs> hard cock twitched at the side and he groaned. Can you not call me Mr. Frodo? The brown-haired hobbit asked with a playful attitude. Sure thing, Mr. Frodo. (laughs) The smaller hobbit snorted at his response, turning around. He climbed onto the bed, straddling Sam. I'm serious. If we're going to do this, I don't want you talking to me as if I'm a stranger. Please, Sam, for me. Sam smiled, pulling his lever down for a sweet kiss. (laughs) (laughs) After a moment, they broke apart, and he stroked Frodo's cheek. All right, Frodo. I won't tease you any more tonight, he said lovingly. They kissed again, and as Frodo shifted, he brushed their hard-ons against each other. (laughs) I feel like we need to bring Paul in for this. Please. (laughs) Watch his face. I'm not going to be here when he listens to (laughs) Neither will I who listens in the car. Mandy has been kind enough to invite Opera Man into our studio today to listen to this particular story. Say hi, Opera Man. Hi, Opera Man. This is the Hobbit one. (laughs) We thought you'd like it. We thought you might enjoy this. Well, don't be afraid to make noise if you feel like it's... (laughs) We're now reading to an audience, which is even more hilariously intimidating than it is just reading it to your friend. This is my first time doing a fan fiction three-way. <laughs> Jerry, pop, pop. Mr. Frodo, you're killing me, Sam complained. Can't you go a bit faster? Now he's just folding his clothes at this point, so don't. Don't freak out. <laughs> when Frodo was down to his tight pants, he turned around to bend over and pick up the pile of clothes. Sam's hard cock twitched at the sight, and he groaned. Can you not call me Mr. Frodo? The brown-haired hobbit asked with a playful attitude. Sure thing, Mr. Frodo. The smaller hobbit snorted at the response. Turning around, he climbed onto the bed, straddling Sam. I'm serious. If we're going to do this, I don't want you talking to me as if I'm a stranger. Please, Sam. For me? Sam smiled, pulling his lover down for a sweet kiss. After a moment, they broke apart and he stroked Frodo's cheek. All right, Frodo. I won't tease you anymore tonight, he said lovingly. (laughs) They kissed again, and as Frodo shifted, he brushed their hard-ons against each other. Both of us grunted as a zing traveled through their bodies. 
Impatiently, Frodo began pulling at the strings of Sam's shirt, almost ripping it as he tried to pull it off. <laughs> He's struggling. Damn these stringed shirts! <laughs> Sam couldn't help but laugh, earning a dirty glare. Finally, Frodo released the blonde from his shirt. <laughs> what does it mean? Gasping at the sight. <gasps> Sam, your chest. It's you. He sputtered in disbelief. <laughs> you thought I'd be fat, didn't you, Frodo? <laughs> Sam asked, half amused. Frodo shook his head. Not fat, no. Just not this well-toned. My God, Sam. You could have smashed the ring against your chest, he said in awe. Sam was bigger than the other hobbits, and everyone who had ever known him assumed it was because he was fat. No one had ever seen him without his shirt, so no one knew that he was just really just strong. Frodo traced patterns idly on the well-built hobbit's chest, his eyes sparkling with delight. driving me crazy <laughs> Sam said blushing bright red Frodo laughed sitting up very slowly and very deliberately and he ground against <laughs> Sam <laughs> drawing a wine out from the blonde hobbit he took Sam's shirt and threw it across the room staring down predatorially then he froze um Sam, what do we do next? Frodo asked. <laughs> Sam blanched. <laughs> I, uh, I don't really know. <laughs> I've never done this before. He said nervously. <laughs> he sat up, causing Frodo to slide off of him. And then they both, <laughs> they both thought very hard. <laughs> Well, I think I'm supposed to put my, um, in your, uh, yeah, Sam said hesitantly. <laughs> Frodo cringed. I know, but wouldn't that hurt? He wiggled in discomfort, imagining what that would feel like. <laughs> well, Mr. Frodo, I can stretch your out. <laughs> <laughs> Sam suggested just <laughs> uh, lubricate with some sort of oil, so... Where did you hear that? Frodo asked. Sam's eyes widened and his face became the color of a cherry. Looking down, he murmured, Merry and Pippin. <laughs> Frodo couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> Stay here. I'll be right back, he said, getting up. Sam watched with worry as the brunette left the room, kicking his shoes off as he went. Wait, they don't even wear shoes! <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> so he just 
You can say stump ball. Thank you. It's just kicked his feet off then. And he's still stumping down the hallway. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, before Sam could really start to worry, though, Frodo was back with a small bottle of cooking oil. <laughs> Do you think this will work? He asked timidly. Sam nodded. <laughs> For a moment, they sat there, the sudden realization of what they were about to do hitting them. Then slowly, as if he didn't want to scare Frodo away, Sam pulled the brunette down on the bed, pushing him gently onto his back. Sam leaned down to kiss his best friend, stroking Frodo's cheek. Then he moved from Frodo's (laughs) lips to his neck, earning a breathy pull. What is that? (laughs) It's not a real word. It's not a word. I don't know. He managed to find that one spot that made Frodo buck, <laughs> sucking just under the small part of the hobbit's ear. Oh, Sam, the brunette moaned. Sam couldn't help but smirk as needy hands grasped his neck. He kissed a trail down Frodo's neck and chest, <laughs> pausing to uh, suck a pert, rosy nipple. This generated a whine, and the needy hands gripped tighter. You're quite eager, aren't you, Mr. Frodo? (laughs) Sam asked, blowing hot air over the bud. (sighs) Frodo whined again and smacked Sam, making the blonde chuckle. Sorry, Frodo. I forgot for a moment, he amended, pulling away. Sam, don't stop, Frodo whined. Well, begging your pardon, Frodo, but don't you want to get to the best part? (laughs) With that, Sam slowly pulled Frodo's pants. (laughs) But he was already naked! He has undressed four times in the last five minutes. He folded them, and then he took his shoes off. The hobbits don't wear shoes, and now he's taking off pants that don't exist. What is happening? Wow. I don't understand. What is, how many layers of clothes is fucking Hobbit wearing? <laughs> it might be winter. Uh, it's just, mm. Where are we? It's like a har- Hobbit barbecue, though. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, you were oh no, that. you missed the rest of that sentence. <laughs> I did. Um, <laughs> all right, Sam slowly pulled Frodo's other pair of pants down, freeing the hard cock. The smaller hobbit jerked and surprised when the cold air hit his groin. Oh my god, if your dad is running through the house right now and we're reading erotic fanfiction to your husband. Be glad we're not doing it in the living room. That would be worse. Both hobbits blushed bright red, but neither had thoughts of stopping. Then Sam bent down and he licked the hard member experimentally. <laughs> Sam, you, you don't have to do that. Frodo started in protest, but was cut off when Sam began sucking in the head. (laughs) All of a sudden, coherent thought became an impossible feat for Frodo as Sam pulled grunts and moans from him. It doesn't taste that bad, Sam thought. It's not the best, (coughs) but it's not the worst. (laughs) He was all perfect. Frodo struggled not to buck so he wouldn't choke Sam. <laughs> you can sing a lot of yourself, don't you? <laughs> but 
<laughs> you're a hobbit. <laughs> yeah, you're a hobbit. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Right. <laughs> when the blonde started taking more in his mouth, he couldn't help himself. <laughs> Sam gagged, suddenly finding himself with a mouthful of Frodo. <laughs> Chapter of this title. Titular line. <laughs> the end. Uh uh-uh. uh. It keeps going. Okay. You keep going. You can go. <laughs> Thank you, Opera Man. Thank you, Opera Man. You can't be here for the next part. Would you really? <laughs> we can't do that to you. Be careful, Frodo. You're not exactly little. She spluttered. I'm so sorry, Sam. You're just so... Again, Frodo was cut off as Sam took him into his mouth. To prevent any more mishaps, Sam placed a hand on Frodo's hips, stealing the bucks. Sam's head bobbed up and down as he took more of Frodo in, finally getting used to the feeling of something so big in his mouth. After a while, Frodo's moans turned into cries. Sam... Can't take any more of this, he keened, throwing his head back against the pillow. Despite the nirvana he could almost taste, Frodo pushed Sam off. No more. I'll finish too soon, he gasped. Sam smiled sheepishly. Sorry, Frodo. I guess I got a little carried away, he said with a chuckle. Uh, let, let me do it for you, said Frodo, noticing Sam take off his pants. <laughs> <laughs> His eyes widened as Sam's large cock sprung free. Not tonight, mister. I mean, Frodo, Sam said. Frodo groaned a bit in disappointment. Don't worry, Frodo. We'll get the chance. Then he grabbed the little bottle of oil, opening it and splashing the liquid on his fingers. Go ahead and relax, Frodo. I don't want to hurt you. Sam whispered lovingly. Frodo did as he was told, blushing as the larger hobbit spread his legs. Tell me if it gets too bad. All right, Mr. Frodo. <laughs> Frodo nodded, trying to stay calm. He moaned as Sam slowly circled his entrance. <laughs> Brace yourself, but stay relaxed, okay? Sam said as a way of warding. Then he pushed a finger into the <laughs> tight ring of muscle. And Mandy was so glad Paul left the room. Yes. <laughs> Frodo hissed. <laughs> <laughs> he had known it would hurt. He hadn't known it would burn. <laughs> Sam winced guiltily when he saw Frodo clench his eyes shut in discomfort. He wiggled his finger experimentally, pushing it in deeper. Frodo started to whine. Oh, God, it hurts, he thought. Sam, please go slower, he pleaded. Sam nodded, slowing his movements. Slowly his movements. (laughs) Oh, Frodo, Sam thought sadly. (laughs) Mr. Frodo, we can stop if... Sam was cut off by Frodo's noise of denial. No, he cried. I want this. Just give me time to adjust, all right? 
He emphasized his point by pushing down on Sam's finger, grunting. Uh. Sam jerked his hand back, surprised. All right, Frodo, I won't stop. At least let me do this slowly, Sam insisted. He didn't want to hurt Frodo, but the smaller hobbit was so impatient. He moved his fingers slowly within Frodo, smiling a bit when the brunette began moaning rather than groaning. <laughs> Does that feel better? He asked with a smirk. Frodo nodded, arching his back. Slowly, so as not to startle Frodo, Sam added another finger, scissoring them hesitantly. <laughs> If you're listening at home, don't do that. It burned slightly, but Frodo was able to focus on the pleasure, and it felt amazing. Oh, Sam, he cried out loudly. He bucked and soon was fucking himself wildly on three of Sam's fingers. As Sam stretched Frodo upon seeing the brunette enjoy himself so thoroughly, his cock hardened even more. Oh, Frodo, you're so beautiful. He whispered to himself, and he pulled his fingers out of Frodo, making the small hobbit cry out. No, don't stop, Frodo said. With a smile, Sam said, don't worry, Frodo, I won't leave you empty for long. (laughs) He moved between Frodo's legs, positioning himself at his friend's entrance. (laughs) Bending down, he kissed Frodo tenderly before saying, I love you so much, Frodo. Frodo nodded, pressing his forehead against Sam. I love you too, Sam, he breathed. With that, Sam pushed quickly forward, wanting to just get the pain <laughs> over with. Sam just fucking ran in there. like, don't just get this shit over with. <laughs> Frodo grunted. <laughs> Sam's cock was much bigger than his fingers. Once Sam was all the way in, he froze, allowing Frodo time to adjust. It wasn't easy. Frodo's tight hole felt amazing. It was as if Sam had buried his cock in hot velvet. (laughs) And it took every bit of his willpower to not move. Instead, he opted to distract the brunette, kissing Frodo with all the love he had. Frodo forced himself to relax, focusing on the kiss. He wrapped his arms around Sam, pulling them so close that their chests were almost flush with each other. After a few minutes of kissing, Frodo bucked up, unwilling to pull away to tell Sam he was ready. Sam understood and started to move slowly. Then the world melted away, and the only thing left was the two hobbits. Oh, Frodo. (laughs) Gods, you're so tight. Sam moaned into the brunette's mouth. (laughs) Sam. Sam, don't stop. It feels so good. Frodo pulled. (laughs) Still not a word. Uh, They were slow and hesitant at first, but as their confidence built, so did their rhythm. Frodo pulled Sam closer to him, bucking up so he could meet each thrust. Harder. Push harder. He whined, breaking the kiss in favor of biting Sam's shoulder. Sam grunted at the sting. It hurt, but in such a good way. He thrust as hard as he could, assaulting Frodo's sweet spot, 
and making the brunette scream in pleasure. There. Yes, 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 yes. Please, oh gods. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he fisted Sam's hair, pulling the blonde's lips to his once more. The air was filled with grunts and moans and the slap of flesh against flesh as Sam pushed into Frodo, hitting the smaller hobbit sweet spot as hard as he could every time. Frodo became reduced to a bucking, crying, whining mess, tears flowing down his cheek as Sam took him to heaven. <laughs> the feelings were too good. He was too close to a sensory overload, and all he could do was babble at Sam, begging for more, harder, faster. Sam felt amazing, too, and as Frodo bit his shoulder again to stop the flow of incoherent nonsense, he felt his release sneaking up on him. Oh, Mr. Frodo, I'm going to come, he grunted. Yes, Sam. <laughs> no, no. Yes, Sam, come inside me, Frodo moaned to get Sam's shoulder. Sam thrust wildly, shouting Frodo's name as he came. Oh, Frodo! Frodo cried out as <laughs> as a hot, a hot jet of cum hit his prostate. How was a prostate? Yes. <laughs> and he came as well, covering their chests and stomachs. Sam and Frodo continued to buck, writing out their orgasms until Frodo gasped and keened, pushing Sam away. Too much, he puffed. It feels too good. Stop! Sam's arms suddenly went weak, and he forced himself off of Frodo before collapsing, breathing heavily. They both lay panting for what felt like hours until finally their heartbeats slowed and they could breathe normally again. <laughs> They're the only ones. <laughs> oh, Frodo, I love you so much, Sam said eventually. Frodo laughed slightly. I love you too, Sam. That was amazing. He slowly turned on his side, wincing. Although I'm sure I'll be sore for a few days, he chuckled. I didn't hurt you, did I, Frodo? He said worriedly. Frodo shook his head with a grin. No, I like I said, it was amazing. Except now I'm so tired, he replied with a yawn. Sam nodded, yawning as well. Why don't we just clean ourselves tomorrow, Mr. Frodo? I'm beat, he said quietly. Frodo laid his head on Sam's chest, using it like a pillow. Good idea, Sam. Let's just sleep, he said before drifting off. Sam smiled and kissed Frodo's head before following him into sleep. The, the end. disgusting end. <laughs> when they woke up, everything smelled bad, and they had to change the sheets. <laughs> I had to burn the sheets. You don't do that. You clean up. That's, I'm sorry. You clean up. All right. So. That's <laughs> not how that works. Uh, sometimes I'm reading some of these like 
wondering if the people who write them have ever actually had sex or if they're, you know, like I've read several that are like they're trying to be mature and sexy, but they're clearly written by a 12 year old, you know, who just thinks, you know, I put my thing in the thing and we do the thing and the folds and the blah, blah. And you're like, what? (laughs) <laughs> so what you think right. about your first time? Uh, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. I am like I have not laughed so hard in a very long time. You feel a little dirty. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Maybe you take a shower. The best part is, is you get to put it on the internet for all of these strangers to listen to. You oh yeah, it. lots of lots of fun. Maybe we'll get more listeners or less <laughs> listeners or less. <laughs> well, I think I think we've lost anybody who's. Who doesn't have a good sense of humor, but this you made one, it this far. Good on this you. one may put it on, you know. But you know, when you cross the hundred, you just you just go for it and you do it. I appreciate you coming on uh, and uh, reading this you, horrible smut with me. Thank you for letting me come on your show. <laughs> Please don't come on my show. <laughs> <laughs> a public service announcement: No one has come on this show. The end. <laughs> So anyways, uh, yeah, Heather, we really, really wish you had been here. And we really were, I really should have just videotaped Upper Man listening to us read. I, so anyways, uh, we miss you, Heather. <laughs> we you. hope we will see you and you will be back on the show very, very soon. And uh, until that time, I'm Liz. And I've been Mandy. And you've been listening to Nerdy Bitches Podcast. And we will get you guys next time. Keep it nerdy. (laughs) Keep it nerdy and dirty. Theme music provided by www.bensound.com. And please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. I'd like for you to know Mandy is currently drinking straight from the whiskey bottle. Straight from the bottle. Mm-hmm. <laughs>